Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, when you buy a new home, how much do you know about the people who lived there before or what might have taken place there? Certainly the estate agent doesn't have to tell you. Matt Blake is a freelance writer who moved into a new home in London a few years back and gradually he found out about the man who would live there just before him. Afternoon, Matt. Hi, afternoon. How are you doing? Not too bad. So uh, this was like, was, was this that had been about pandemic time, about 2021, that kind of... That's right. Yeah, it was 2021, January time. Um, right. so we, were in the, we were in the depths of the pandemic at that time, um, okay. helped by the government scheme, um, the, 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 the eliminating stamp duty, which I think we were all quite grateful for. Okay, so that helped didn't a bit. quite turn out so great. <laughs> now, now, this, well, and, and like, I suppose if I was to say it was a bit, you know, Victorian era building, people go, ooh, very nice. Uh, um, right. uh, but it, it, it wasn't in, in great condition when you, when you bought it. Oh, no, there was a family who'd lived here before who'd done an okay job. They hadn't done much work on it. And these old houses, I think, I mean, the bricks are made of, I mean, having nailed, tried to drill holes in the walls over the last couple of years, you know, they fall apart. I mean, like the horsehair and sand sort of thing. You know, they were built in the 1880s, um, working class kind of warehouse workers mainly at that time. Yeah. Um, But it's become quite a desirable area, this part of uh, Walthamstow, East London. Yeah. Uh, Yes, indeed. I'd imagine so. And you were kind of, you know, like I suppose anyone who buys a new home, you were kind of, you were a new house, I should say, you were making a home uh, for you and your daughter. So uh, there was a lot of, I assume, pulling up carpets uh, and that kind of stuff. And as I understand, it was when you first pulled up a carpet that you noticed something might be awry. That was exactly it. I was with my brother and he said to me, the first thing he sage advice, uh, the first thing you should do when you buy a new home is erase all memory of the previous occupants. So we were like, we're going to start with this carpet. We pulled it up and gradually as it came, this black patch on the floorboards underneath the carpet began to emerge, kind of bleeding out across um, the floor in the main bedroom, um, the kind of what you call the master bedroom. It's a small room, but you know, um, and it dawned on us, that this was clearly um, a fire had taken place here. Mm. Um, and that kind of was, uh, I mean, that kind of piqued our curiosity, I suppose. And I was wondering, was it a bed fire? Did someone have fallen asleep in bed with a cigarette? Had anyone died um, mm. in the house? And that got our imaginations ticking. Yeah. To now, begin with. Um, but that, it turned out, was just the beginning. Yeah. So the, the, the uh, So in terms of trying to figure out uh, um, was it the neighbour first who who said to you, uh, gave you some indication that there might have been a a, a, a problem here in terms of fires? That's right. Well, I, I yeah, they, they I, I'd done a freedom of information because I'm a journalist and so I'm kind of used to this kind of you know I, I did a freedom of information request to the fire brigade and they told me that in 20 years they had made 20 visits to my street. Six of those visits had been to my address. Oh. Um, yeah, and I think five of those six had been within a, uh, a six-month period in two thousand and eight. My, that word. just got me going. And then I was just, then I then I had to know. <laughs> did they I give, didn't really know what to? Yeah, sorry. did they give you an indication of how serious those events were, or could they tell well, you that? They, no, they only give um, basic details, what type of a fire it was, or whether it was a hoax call. I mean, so two of them, the first two were hoax calls, and then the next three. I think, were what they call primary fires, which is a fire where there's a, I think they, in their words, there's a direct threat to life. Um, 
And I don't know what they call them in Ireland. Yeah, and, and as far as you could tell from trying to redecorate the house, ha- had all these fires taken place in a bedroom? Because, you know, a kitchen, I suppose, is understandable, but a bedroom, very strange. Well, there's something else you can do on Google Street View, I, I learned. And that's, look, you can look back at all the pictures Street View has ever taken um, oh. of anything. And so I did it of my house. And I managed to go back to the very first picture of the house uh, itself. And I could see in that picture the uh, corrugated iron sheets over the windows. There were kind of black, like soot marks curling up over the bedroom windows, like kind of grotesque sort of like eyelashes, I suppose they kind <laughs> of looked like in a way. Um, and again, yeah, I mean, it was uh, this was just kind of more information without any real idea uh, what had co- it was weird. I mean, you know, it's you don't expect that to happen uh, when you've just moved into a place. Yeah. Until I spoke to a neighbour, which mm. was going to be your next question. Yes, yeah, so what did she tell you? <laughs> well, she uh, she was outside. Uh, one day, uh, after, not long, a day or two after this, I'd popped out and we'd, we'd got to know each other and we were chatting and I told her about this, what I'd found. And she goes, oh, casually as you like. She said, oh, yeah, we used to call your house the uh, the firehouse. Um, there was a guy there who who used to, I mean, set fire, whether, I mean, there's no suggestion that there was any kind of arson, but he was, you know, he used to set fire to the, the bedroom and then wait outside on the wall, uh, sitting on the wall opposite the house for the fire brigade to come and put the fire out. Um, and then I kind of, she let that sort of settle for a moment. And then she said, but don't worry, he's in prison now for uh, raping and killing that woman. Raping those women and killing that, that one woman. Um, they called him the E17 Night Stalker in the newspapers. Oh, my God. And that's God. the kind of, that's the hammer blow. And then I yeah. was, you know, that, that freaked me out. That yeah. freaked me out. Now... Yeah, this is a bit like, you know, if you have any kind of symptoms, you should never Google them. But I suppose you couldn't help yourself but try to find out more. No, and given my job, I mean, I guess my sort of natural <laughs> instinct was to kind of know more anyway. So uh, I, I, I did. I mean, and then looking back, there was the, the big, there was a big, big news in the, in the newspapers at the time. I mean, in short, what he used to do was go... That first, I mean, there's no suggestion he killed or did anything inside the house. That's mm, uh, that's mm. uh, one point. But he would leave. It was his staging area, I suppose, is how I came to see it as for his sort of depravity. Uh, he would go out uh, and he would randomly attack women in the in the in under cover of darkness in the middle of the night. He'd pick them up in supermarkets or taking cash out um, nearby, and he was ultimately convicted of three well, four serious sexual assaults. Um, I mean, he did unspeakable things that aren't, you know, for daytime radio, I don't yeah. think I should go into what happened exactly. But And the final one, he um, he murdered her in the children's playground around the corner, oh. um, where I've played with my daughter many, many times. Oh, God. Um, and, I, I mean, I've read the judge's sentencing remarks, which go into quite grisly detail about what he did um i mean what is also kind of interesting about his story is that he was on it was one of the largest uh, police investigations of its kind uh, for the for the metropolitan police here in london and there was um door-to-door dna testing there was uh, an appeal on crime watch posters he saw himself on crime watch before they knew because of course i mean he hadn't been shy with his dna of course but they didn't have him on the system mm. so they were kind of hunting a ghost and then he saw himself. We later found they later found out on Crime Watch and fled uh, to India, which was his home country. Um, he'd come over. It turned out for a work, maybe on it was on a student visa. Um, he'd fled to India, hoping to sort of hide behind India's extradition 
laws. And it took eight years for detectives to finally, and the British government to finally persuade the Indian government to allow him to be extradited for uh, to face trial. Um, and so in 2020, he got convicted for 37 years. Good work. And he denied it. He denied Did he? culpability from beginning to end. And that's partly what was part of the judge's sentencing remarks too. Um, he put all the, you know, the, the, the surviving victims, those who remembered the attack. Um, one, I think, was so badly um, beaten that she had no recollection. Um, of what happened to her? Uh, so he put them through evidence and claimed it was all consensual. Real. So yeah. I guess the upshot is real. One, he didn't commit any crimes in my house. Real evil mm. lived within these walls. And that's the thing that kind of really got to me. Yeah. Matt, um, and I other things happen. I think a lot of people, Matt, if we're, you know, are listening, would mm. think, if I happen to be in Walthamstow and, and Matt Blake invited me around for a cup of tea, I'd think twice before even, you know, darkening the door of your house, <laughs> as lovely as I'm sure it is. Uh, it, well, it a must few people have, said. Yeah, it must be weird mm. for you, or it was weird. It was, it was really weird. Um, a, a few people told me the place had a weird vibe. Mm. strange energy um i had a slug infestation at one point I, I i went to war with mice for a while still the shower turns on and off in the middle of the night inexplicably perhaps a plumber would have an explanation for this but the doorbell would go off at night as well um at two o'clock in the morning nobody there outside weird things like that happened which and i'm a you know, I'm not a not a superstitious mm. kind of guy, but yeah, it, it was it was creepy. You find yourself. I saw. I started seeing or thinking I'd seen you know shapes in windows and checking whether the shadows were in in, in the corners of the rooms were still in the same place the next night. Things like that, you know. Yeah, it was freaky stuff. Yeah, is that when you were learning about all this? Has that abated? Well, I, I made quite a big effort to renovate. And um, like my brother said at the very beginning, you know, you've got to erase all memory of the previous um, occupants and to really make a home, your a house, your home. Right. Mm. So, I, yeah, I did some renovations. Um, I repainted all the walls. I put my own pictures up. I put books on the shelves. I you know. I mean, the places I like to think transformed. And I hope that that's kind of made me feel I still think about it, though. Yeah. Know? But I'm okay. I'm okay with it. And I think, you know, this is a home. Me and my daughter, we live here together. And, yeah. Uh, now, it should be you know, pointed out. our it, own brand of love. It, it, is, is it correct, though, that you didn't actually directly buy it from him, Matt? That there were owners in between? There were, yeah. They, I bought it from a, a very nice family who had lived, I think, four years before. And they must have bought it off whoever. Because he didn't own it. He, there's no record of him living here directly. No paper oh. trail. He was, I don't think, don't know if he was living here legally or he wasn't registered to vote, but he, but people remember him in the area. Yeah. Um, they remember the police cars coming to the house. Uh, they remember the, they remember his face. Um, yeah. I'd say they do. Not the only time uh, police cars have come to that house. Uh, as I understand that the attic was, uh, had a novel usage as well. <laughs> it turned, yeah. And I, I also found out that this was the house that, the only house on the street on which snow would never settle. Um, uh, and that's because it was a, I don't know what you, a weed farm. A grow house. Yeah. A grow yeah. house. Yeah. It was here too. Um, so it has a checkered past. Yeah. This house, you know, um, 
That's so. Yeah. Do you know? Do, do were you able to research all the people who've lived in your house, Matt? I did. Well, that was part of my process for me personally to kind of um, uh, purge. It's you know the bad juju, if you could call it that. Mm. Um, I, I I thought that I could. You know, I went to the records office and I looked back at all the other people. I looked at the census from. You can look back a hundred years, and in eighteen, you know, in I think around the time of Queen Victoria's death, there was a, a man uh, with his family living here as a cutter of fancy materials was his job. There was a, I think, a shoemaker. Um, during the, when the First World War broke out. There was a family of four who lived here for 40 years, bringing up boys uh, until the moon landings mm. took place. And, and that kind of also made me, kind of give me a sort of deeper appreciation for the many lives that um, it, it take place or exist within, a, within yes. four walls, within a house. You know, it, it has many lives, a house, many homes, I suppose, is a, one way of putting it. Yeah, so, which I hope diluted his... Yeah. Yeah, your, your 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 little girl though she's she's six is she? So she's six. That's yeah, right. so way too young to bring anything like this up. At some point, I've will you tell tried. her? Uh, will I tell her? I, well, I think she might read the article. I yeah. won't know one day, perhaps when she's grown up. But um, I, I mean, I don't think she's ready for it right now. I mean, for her, you know, there are still monsters living under the bed. Yes. Yeah. Um, sometimes anyone who's got kids knows about about yeah. that, right? So. I know it's a counterfactual is, question, Matt, but if you had known in advance? Would I have bought it? Yeah. People ask me this all the time. And honestly, I think probably I would. I mean, my circumstances, I was coming out of a divorce as well. So, you know, I had, I had, I was kind of desperate. I needed a, I needed a place to live. I needed a, a secure home in which to bring up my daughter. So I think at that time, but I, I, I think I would. Lots and lots of people tell me that they wouldn't have touched it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever sell. We'll see. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Now that you've written that article, did you think if I publish this, I'm knocking a few grand off the off the value of my home? It's it, it's crossed my mind. It's crossed my mind. <laughs> but I think if it happens, the answer will be: if you want the place, put down the money. If not, yeah. we'll find someone else. You got a lot of people visiting. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, Matt, thank well. you very much for speaking with us today. Uh, that was uh, the freelance journalist Matt Blake. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.